Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, it is a joy, as always, to gather with you um, this morning um, in in church today um, and uh, to remember who we are together, that we're a church family, that we have the chance to sing and to pray together um, and to open this book and to learn from it and to, and to, to grow from what we find there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, what a what a great reminder it is that the prayer is important and that we have the opportunity to to pray for one another. Um, and I know as I pray, I know even during family prayer time that I have all of you just agreeing with with the prayers that are happening. And even as we pray for healing, we agree with prayer in prayer with with what's being prayed. Amen. That's a beautiful thing and, and such a privilege to, to be able to do uh, for one another. Um, we find ourselves in the season of epiphany, right? Epiphany is this season uh, that, that, that happens in between our Advent Christmas time, right? Advent is, is four weeks of preparation, and then we have Christmas Day, which starts the 12 days of Christmas, and then we have the day of epiphany, what we remember and we celebrate the wise men coming. Um, and, and so we have this season of, of Advent and Christmas, and then that leads us towards Lent. Lent starts with um, the, the celebration that we have on Ash Wednesday, or the, or the worship moment that we have on Ash Wednesday. Today, that, or this year, that happens on February 22nd, um, and that flows through until Holy Week. Um, but this, this past week at our house, we took time to, to take, take down all the Christmas decorations. Is there anybody that still hasn't quite gotten to that yet? Anybody that admit to that? Okay, we were probably the last ones in Mountain Home. I'm not sure. Um, but packed them all up, tossed all the Christmas decorations into the attic above the garage. Um, of course, uh, my wife's car was out of the garage to make space for all of those bins on Thursday when the big snow came, right? So she had to, she had to deal with uh, Thursday's little dusting of snow. Um, but during the course of that time is, is kind of this transition time. Um, it's actually called common or ordinary time, which is what um, the big season of, of summer is also called as we move through the, the church calendar year. 
Um, but as we go through these times, we, we see from, uh, from Advent, Christmas to Lent, this, this, the story of, of Jesus' preparation for, for ministry and as he starts to get into, into ministry. Um, and so the Old Testament reading for this week in Epiphany is, is really kind of almost a, a context or, or a lead up to a Christmas Advent text. Um, Isaiah 9, 6 is one that, that you would remember and think of as a Christmas text. It says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You've heard this before. Authority shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Almighty God. You, you remember this text. And, um, but our text is kind of the lead-in into this reality today, set, kind of setting the stage for when Israel first heard these, these wonderful um, Messiah texts in, in Isaiah chapter 9. So today I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, but I'll only be reading the first four verses, so we won't get to that familiar text in verse 6. Uh, but for those of you who have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Isaiah 9, or if you have uh, uh, devices, you can point in that direction. Um, out of reverence for the reading of God's Word, I invite those who are willing and able to stand as we read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But later he glorified the way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. So this text kind of starts out with two places that are likely fairly unfamiliar to many of you, or, or to most of us, um, for me. Uh, Zebulun and Naphtali. Okay? The, the, there's a very specific and, and notable reason why this text is chosen um, for this year, and, and, and that has to do with the scripture that we read uh, earlier. The, the lectionary has rotated back to year A. We're on year A of the lectionary, which means the, the gospel texts focus on the gospel of Matthew. Okay, um, and, and in Matthew, uh, the, the the gospel text is the one that we had Pastor Debbie that I had De Pastor Debbie read this morning. Now, in Matthew, Matthew starts off in in chapter one with just this great genealogy, the the genealogy of Jesus, where Jesus kind of came from, right? And and that's the start of the Gospel of Matthew. If you move past that, we talks a little bit about the birth of Jesus. The narrative in Matthew is fairly short about the birth of Jesus. Um, but then in Matthew chapter 2, we hear about the Magi coming, the wise men from the east coming and bearing gifts. Then we hear about the crazy king, King Herod, who came to, to destroy all the babies, 
um, because his, his rule and his power was threatened by these little children. And he said, if there's a, a, a baby boy that's being born that's meant to take my place, then we'll just kill off all the baby boys. Uh, horrible awful, traumatic abuse of power. Um, and so Mary and, Mary and Joseph make the choice and get out of town and they flee to Egypt, right? Um, after hearing Herod had passed away, they moved back uh, to Israel. In chapter 3, we hear about John the Baptist. John the Baptist arrives on the scene um, and we see uh, Jesus going out to John the Baptist um, to be baptized. Chapter 4, we have the temptation of Jesus. Uh, and then he begins his active ministry. And, and right after Jesus' temptation comes the words that were read earlier by Pastor Debbie. Jesus settles in Capernaum, notably in the area of these two places that we find in Isaiah chapter 9, Zebulun and Naphtali. And the, and the author of Matthew quotes Isaiah 9 saying, Here is this great, a great light has dawned, upon these areas, the areas of Zebulun and Naphtali. So we have this temptation when we read this text in Isaiah. We, we, we find this section of scripture that was quoted in Matthew, quoted in Matthew in reference to Jesus Christ. And the, temp the temptation to, in that moment is to be like, well, yeah, this text is, is all pointed toward, toward Jesus, this is a prophecy. This is in Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and he must have been talking about Jesus. And yet, part of the work, a large part of the work as we deal with the Old Testament, is trying to understand the message of the Old Testament prophets to the people in his day. To the people to which, who, to which he would have spoken these words. The people who would have heard it the first time. As we look to Isaiah's book and as we look to the prophecy of Isaiah, the overarching theme of Isaiah's message has to do with this parallel message that a lot of the prophets had. The prophets had this, this way of talking, this way of, of, of speaking to the people of Israel that kind of balanced two extremes. First, they talked about judgment. They talked about, let's take a look at what we, where we're at and what's going on in the nation of Israel. Prophets liked to, to point out that, that the nation hadn't been completely faithful to what God had called them to. What God had called them to be and invited them to be. But the other portion, the other part of this prophecy is this great and enduring hope that existed for the people of Israel. And in this balance of judgment and hope, we find a lot of the prophets of the Old Testament standing in the middle. But the fact is this, God's people had kind of walked their own way, had gone astray, and Isaiah's message was the foreign powers, Assyria and Babylon, were, were on their way. And they were coming, and this, the prognosis was not, was not good. And this first section of Isaiah, which lasts really from chapter 1 through chapter 39, ends with Israel carted off in exile. 
to the Babylonian kingdom where they would stay for decades. And they would have to fight to keep their, their identity and their traditions and their customs alive. Now, the two tribal areas that the prophet speaks about, Zebulun and Naphtali, were up near the top of the northern kingdom in Israel. Um, Dr. Roger Hahn talks about how, how this placed them in close proximity to the, to the kingdom of Tyre. Now, Tyre had, been, had shown up earlier in, the, in Israel's narrative back when they were constructing the temple. And, and they were known for, for having the, the cedars of Lebanon, and, Lebanon and, and this wood and supplies for the building and the construction of the temple had come from that area up above the northern kingdom. And yet, being that far away, Jerusalem being housed in the southern kingdom of Judah, being that far away, this foreign nation and some of its practices and customs, including some of its religious practices and expressions that were counter to, to Israel's way, counter to the worship of Yahweh, had, become, had begun to, to come across the border. In fact, Baal, Baal worship had, had seeped across the border and worked its way south into these tribal lands. And that's the reason that we see in the first verse where, where Isaiah is talking about the curse of God having rested upon these tribal areas. It says God could cursed the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. And yet for Isaiah's audience, the question that begins to form, at least in, in, in my mind, is, well, yeah, but <laughs> that's those people. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. Isaiah was in and around Jerusalem. Located in Jerusalem and talking about these lands that were far to the north, Isaiah is, is worried about these two places. Two of the northernmost tribes way up there. You know, those people. Do you have those people in your life? The people who, who had let Baal into Israel. The people who weren't faithful. The people who, if they had, were just closer to Jerusalem, they'd probably understand. They'd probably get it right. Man, those people up there, they're just not faithful. Or they just don't get it. Or whatever excuse we want to kind of pin on them. They're just a little messed up. Can you believe those people? As a quick sidebar, as I prepared my message this week. I was convicted with the reality that Sometimes I, and maybe I can postulate, sometimes we have a those people problem in our world today. How we're quick to establish those people groups in our lives and in our conversations. The ones who don't think like me. The ones who don't believe like me or talk like me or vote like me or behave like me. The people from the other side of the tracks, the people from that other culture or that other state, other people, like people from Zebulun and Naphtali. 
But the beautiful thing about Isaiah, the thing that gets me excited about this text, is how God has provided. How in this same passage, in these same verses, leading up to when he talks about, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, in that same context, God turns it around. God takes these two tribes, these two tribal nations that were probably looked down upon. And he turns it around. And again, this is easy to kind of point to Jesus and say, well, I think Isaiah was talking about Jesus. But look at the tense in our passage today. The people in walking, the people who were walking in darkness have seen a great light has dawned upon them. Isaiah says it's already happened. When he wrote this prophecy, when he, when he wrote this text, he said it has already happened. God is already moving. God is already providing for these groups of people. And the cool thing here is, is the description of God's activity. What has God been up to? What is God about? God is in the business of taking these downtrodden people, <laughs> these disappointment tribes, these tribes that have, have let cross the border all these pagan activities and these rituals, these religious practices, the ones that have messed up, the ones who failed to be faithful, and he's done four things. In verse 1 it says, he glorified those areas. It says he glorified the way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nations. He lifted them up. Provided a special place, not, not forgotten, not written off, not saying, oh, those people, we don't forget those people. Let's hunker down, let's be safe, let's, let's protect our own. Isaiah says, God has glorified them. In verse 2, what's the activity of God? It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. The work of God is to bring light. The beautiful thing about this is this is Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, but all of a sudden, let there be light, and there was light. God is a God who brings light. In Genesis chapter 1, in Isaiah chapter 9, in Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus is born, in Mountain Home in 2023, God is a God who brings light light and opens their eyes and enables work and allows them to live and breathe live and breathe and to have their being verse 3 what's god up to in verse 3 you've made the nation great and you have increased its joy god is a god who brings joy God is a God who brings joy. I hope in my life, sometimes I, 
Sometimes I don't let enough joy out. Sometimes I have too many spreadsheets in my life. I plan to be joyful. I just don't get there. I, 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 God is a God who brings joy. It should show on our faces. People who follow Christ have a reason for deep and abiding joy that doesn't, isn't dependent on circumstances. Isn't dependent on what we're able to do or what we're able to accomplish. For we're not left in despair and isolation. Think about these two tribes isolated off, off in the boonies, across the tracks, far away from the, the worship center of Jerusalem. It says, God has filled our hearts with joy. And then in verse 4, as on the day of Midian, you shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressors. All of these images about what it means to be controlled, what it means to be oppressed, what it means to, to have weight and burden upon these people. It says, God has removed from their shoulders the yoke of oppression. There's hope for the hopeless there's room for the marginalized. There's, there's a place at the table for those that feel like the world has forgotten them. And here's the thing that's really exciting, at least to me. God was in the business of these things for the people of Israel. For, for these two tribes that were isolated and pushed off and, and sent away. God was about doing these things for those people. God was in the same business when Jesus moved into the neighborhood. When Emmanuel of of. God with us that was talked about even in Isaiah chapter 7. It says that, that Emmanuel was coming two chapters earlier, finds this new expression when Christ moves into the neighborhood. What neighborhood was that? It was the very same place. The tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali would become the home of Christ as he settled in Capernaum. And guess what? God's not done. God's not done still working today. God is still in the business of going to the those peoples of our world, of Mountain Home, of Idaho, of the United States, of the world. Going to those people, doing what? Glorifying bring light, filling with joy, and breaking the bonds of oppression. And that's really good news, folks. Those are the people that God loves. Those are the people to which he extends himself, to which he goes. He is the one who moves first and comes to us and says, I am here. And he also invites us to be the people who move 
in those directions as well. It's possible today that, that you feel maybe a little bit like the people of Zebulun and Naphtali. It's possible today as, as we have people who are sitting in this room today or maybe even watching online that feel like they're the ones in the far off places. They're the ones who have struggled to connect. They're the ones who feel distant from God. And I want to tell you today, God is still in the business of moving towards you. Of bringing joy, of bringing light, of breaking the bonds of oppression. God's still in that business and still wants to move towards you today. There's others of us in this room today that can get to, to be a part of the work that God is doing in our neighborhoods and in our schools, in our workplaces, in the places that we go from day to day. We get to participate with God in bringing the kingdom to these places, to the Zebulans and the Naphtalis, to the other peoples that we find in our world today. We get to participate and be part of that. Praise the Lord. That's good news. And that's the call that God places on our lives. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up as we uh, sing a closing song at the end of our service today. Uh, the, the, one of the interesting parts of this story and of this narrative to me is this. And I shared it earlier, Israel still fell. In case we paint this picture of everything was good and everything was rosy and life was, oh, after Isaiah 9, God did all these great things. Israel still fell. Babylon still came in, drug them off, took them to exile. This wasn't life is happy and easy and go lucky from this Point forward, the nation of Israel, both north and south, would be conquered, broken down, defeated, drug off into exile. Politically a failure, militarily defeated, nationally ashamed and humiliated. <laughs> but the work of God was still present. And the work of God still continued to move forward. And despite our circumstances, and despite the outcomes, the promise is this, the presence of God, the presence of God in our lives, leading, guiding, directing, infilling, bringing light, bringing joy, and breaking the bonds of oppression for those who are marginalized, which is really good news. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for how you teach us and how you lead us. Lord, today I pray as we, we learn from this book of Isaiah, God, that we would get a glimpse. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that we would understand, that we would comprehend, but I don't think, I don't even think that's possible. May we just catch a glimpse of the work that you're doing in the surprising places of this world. 
in the Zebulans and the Naphtalis of our world today. May we catch a glimpse of the work and activity that you are doing to bring joy, to break bonds of oppression, to fill with light, to glorify the ones who sometimes we write off, sometimes we can forget about. And may we respond with that invitation to participate with you in doing kingdom work in which, in this world in which we live. Thank you for calling us. And thank you for the work you do in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The work of God makes things beautiful. Amen? <laughs> Even me? Don't say amen too quick. You never know what the preacher will say. I offer this benediction today as we go out. Uh, and in our church, we just invite you to extend your hands as a reminder that we receive this benediction, this prayer today. Go forth now as God's servant and God's kingdom representative, bringing light, joy, and breaking the yoke of oppression in our world. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.